Thank you so much for being here. My name is Thomas Lane, and this is our podcast. Every Monday, we release the latest message from our church, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss it. We hope this word encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Hey, y'all. My name is Thomas Lane. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent Church. We're so glad y'all are joining us today. Y'all, Easter is coming. You may not be thinking about Easter. You're probably thinking about a million other things in your life. But we wanted to remind you that Easter is coming. And what we're going to be doing today and over the next few weeks is we're going to prepare our hearts for Easter. The title of the sermon today, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's the King is coming. I came to tell you the King is coming. That's what we're chatting about today. But it's an exciting day. We're here at the construction site, the first ever home, permanent home of Ascent Church. From meeting in homes, having launch team meetings, to meeting at an old middle school, to being at an older hotel, we are here on site. It's literally a construction site. As I'm speaking, literally right now, it's under construction. As you can see behind me, it's a total mess, cool vibe, for a sermon. And also, also, there's literally guys on the roof uh, working right now. Okay, so if you hear anything, you might get a little extra that is not dubbed in. That's literally what's going on. Now, I think a lot of you guys are at home, so I need some energy. I need some engagement. So I need you to get a little hyped, a little wound up. So come on, somebody, wake up for me, okay? Come on, somebody in your jammies. Come on, somebody who ain't got out of bed yet. Come on, somebody munching some Reese's Puffs. Come on, somebody crushing a toaster strudel with not one, but two packets of the icing. I need you to get alive for me because it's a big day and it's an exciting time. And maybe you're here live, right? Maybe you're going to listen or watch later. Um, it's a special day. The reason we're doing this is it's called a serve day. We want to fight for this city. Right on. As we get ready to move into our first permanent home, we want to fight for this city. We're working with this great group today called Aid Now. Right on, they help homeless students. We're working with them. And also a lot of y'all are coming in today to work here at our home to paint to do what I call an Ikea party. We're putting together cabinets and toys and getting things ready in A-Kids. We're doing so much to get our home ready because we're here to fight for this city. We want to see those far from God raised to new life in Christ. And we're doing online church today to fight for this city and to do some service projects. So let me just ask you, let me just ask you, are you ready for Easter? It's a big fat no. We're going to do our best to get your hearts ready for Easter. Let's go to Luke chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 28. Read with me. It says this, and when he had said these things, Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, what I want you to know is this is the climax. It's the height of the entire Bible. 66 books written over years from different authors, different languages. The biggest focus in all the Bible is the final week of Jesus's life. Like creation itself gets like, you know, chapter or two right on. But the final week of Jesus's life, this is the focus. It's the culmination. It's the climax of the entire Bible. So much is poured in here. They hung on to every word. They were leaning into every teaching, every action. And that's what we're going to focus on through this series. Verse 29, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Now, at first, this seems kind of weird. It seems out of place, right? On Jesus is getting to Jerusalem and you need to know he literally, it says he went up, he literally was going up to Jerusalem. It was hilly, it was rocky, it was hot. There's all these people with him. It sounds like he's unprepared. 
it sounds like he's getting close and he's like, I need a vehicle. I need someone to get in here. I'm tired. Can you help me get in? And it sounds like a weird choice. A donkey is the ancient equivalent of a Kia. It works, but it ain't too glamorous. It ain't, it don't look too good. It might run right on, but that's about it. And he said one that no one sat on, he wants like a new Kia. Like, what is this? This feels like an ancient version of Grand Theft Auto, just jacking somebody's vehicle. Do you remember that game? Did anyone play that game? That's a weird video game to play. I'm not cool anymore. I don't know. I don't know if that's still like a game, but you would just like beat people up and take their cars. It's a weird thing. It sounds like it's what Jesus is asking. It sounds like it's what he's after. It sounds like he's saying, hey, take someone's donkey. Now let's slow down. I want you to know this. Every single thing that Jesus Christ did was intentional. His first miracle ever, we see it in the book of John, in which it says he revealed his glory, was at a wedding in Cana at Galilee. And it was kind of weird. The first miracle, he turned water into wine. Now, that feels like a weird first thing to do, and that's a whole different sermon, but it was very, very intentional. This seems weird. He's right into Jerusalem. It's Passover. The Romans are there. All the Jewish people are gathered. It seems weird for the first thing he would be thinking about is somebody get me a donkey, but it is so intentional. He's revealing who he is, what he's doing, what he's all about. We have to check this out because in 520 BC, this is 550 years before this happened, there was this guy named Zechariah. If you're at home in your little footy pajamas, say it with me, say Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet. He was a prophet. And he was a prophet in a time in which God's people had been scattered. They'd been scattered, spread out all over the world. This is a time in which God was bringing his people back home. He was bringing them from the corners of the earth back to Jerusalem. And Zechariah was prophesying. Here's what Zechariah said. Chapter 9, verse 9. This is what Jesus has in mind. He says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. That's Jerusalem. He says, Shout! daughter Jerusalem. He says, see, look, see, look, 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 see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a Kia, just kidding, a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He said this, 550 years before, God said through the prophet Zechariah, when your king comes, here's how to recognize him. He's going to be humble, He's going to be lowly. He's going to be victorious. He's going to be righteous. And before Jesus enters the city, he comes into this place and he says, I need a donkey. Now, everyone in the house would have said, he's here. They would have said, the king is coming. He is strategically and intentionally revealing who he is and what he's coming to do. Watch this, 36. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice. Just like it said in Zechariah, they're rejoicing. They're praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, point one is this. There is a king. There is a king. We got to start there. And I want to say this to free some of you, to release some of you so that some of you can, can take a breath. You know this, but maybe no one said it. There is a king and it's not you. You can relax. You can take a deep breath. 
So many of us walk through life feeling like we have to be in charge. We have to know all the answers. We have to write out our life. We have to be the author and finisher of our faith. He's revealing that I am the king and he loves you. But I'm going to tell you to you, it may be a shock to some of you, but that king is not you. That queen is not you. Tell it, tell it to your spouse. It ain't you. It ain't you. Now, at first, you may like the idea of being in charge of your life, but I want you to know that is way too much pressure for any human being to handle. It is a good thing that we have a king. It is a very good thing. It should give us peace. It should make us relax. Watch what this king does. Verse 38. Everyone was shouting and saying, they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I want to look at four words real quick. They literally said, the king who comes. They're seeing it. They're acknowledging it. I want to ask it. I want to ask you, are you, are you seeing what they're seeing? Are you praising him the way he needs to be praised? Are you acknowledging that he is in fact the king? Not me. He's the king. And are you acknowledging that he comes? Now, I don't know a really better way to say it than this. So I'm going to say it. it's the title of the sermon. The king is coming. The king is coming. I don't know of a modern day equivalent to compare this to because it's not the whole city celebrating. It's kind of like him and his disciples, which is still probably thousands of people. They're, they're moving forward, but everyone is amped. And at first, when you hear a king coming to town, you may be like, is that like the president visiting? No, because at any given presidency, half the country is amped about the president and half the country doesn't give a rip about the president. So it's not really a good example. The best example I can think of is like a sports team, like a sports town when they win the championship. Now, if you're from here, we don't really have that. Like we have sports from all over and so many of y'all are from different places and half you root for this team, half of that. We don't have that unified force. But if you like grew up or have ever lived in like a sports town, you know what that feels like. You know what that feels like. I lived in Boston for a while. Okay. And it was all about the Pats and I didn't get it. And sometimes I felt like an idiot because I just didn't get it. One Sunday I went to church right on, did some homework, was doing this and that. I was up there to study and I went to the grocery store. It was a Sunday afternoon, like two or three in the afternoon. And I said, it's a good time to go to the store. So I went to the store on a beautiful Sunday afternoon and it freaked me out because that place was empty. It was like the apocalypse. There was no one around. And even in the store, like the cashiers were there. There was like two or three people in the whole store. And the whole time, I kind of had this chill down my, my, down my back. I'm like, what? Did I miss something? Is something going on? And finally, when I'm checking out, when, I'm, when the, the lady's ringing up my groceries, I happen to ask her, I said, ma'am, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but I feel like I'm missing something. Can you, can you tell me why no one's here? She looked at me, point blank. Northerners aren't as polite as Southerners. She said, the Pats are on. As if I missed something, as if I was a total idiot. And I said, oh, okay. I felt like an idiot. The Pats are on. Everything stopped. Everyone listened. When the Pats won, the whole city won. When the Pats lost, the whole city lost. They were looking at Jesus saying, he is our king. And he's bringing victory, not just for himself, but for all of us. They were all cheering. They were marching. They were celebrating. They were praising God. They knew that if the king wins, we all win. That his victory can be imparted to all of us. And they were amped that God was finally fulfilling his promises from 550 years ago. He was coming to bring not just himself victory, but God's people victory. And they were celebrating it.
They were celebrating it. You need to know the king is coming. I want to ask you, are you ready? I asked if you're ready for Easter and maybe you are, maybe you're not. The holiest day of the year, like, are we ready for Resurrection Sunday? Are we ready? We're going to get you. We're going to get you there. But I want to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready to meet him today? Because the king is coming. He's on his way. He's, he's coming. I don't know if we know what it's like to interact with the king. A friend of mine got to meet the vice president and my friend is cool, calm, confident, collected. And he met the president and he kind of, he met the vice president and he, this is years ago. And he, he like, he, he kind of was shook. He didn't know what to say. I'm the same way. People sometimes ask me, have you ever met a famous pastor? Have you ever met Stephen Furtick or someone? I say, no, I'm glad I haven't because I would be a total idiot. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably just hide in the corner. I've met a few guys at conferences and stuff and I completely lock up. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. I get super weird, super uncomfortable. Maybe you're cooler than me, but I can't handle that stuff. I can't handle that stuff. I want to ask you, do you act like you were in the presence of the king? Do you act like you are coming to a king? In your quiet time, do you act like you are literally sitting in the presence of the king? When you come to church, do you get the kids? Do you show up at church? And are you just late and stressed out and worn out and thinking about the next thing? Are you acting and worshiping and leaning in as if the king was in that room? Because I came to tell you, he actually is. What about a small group? What about when you're praising him in your car? Are you just like thinking about the idea of God? Or are you acknowledging that the king is present? Because I want you to know when the king is present, it changes everything. And you need to know the king is coming. How about your prayer life? Because if you're like me, your prayer life can wander a little bit. Right? You can start praying. You're like, God, I thank you for today. It's beautiful. And I wonder if it's going to be beautiful on this weekend. And what are we going to do this weekend? And do the kids have that thing? Do we have time to go to Home Depot? And the next, I started praying. And then I'm just kind of like rambling. And I'm like, well, how did I get here? But if I remember and acknowledge that the king is actually there in the room with me, listening, never to leave me or forsake me, it changes my mindset, it changes my focus, it changes everything. There's this old hymn that I love. It's a little King Jamesy, if that's okay. What I want to share with you is got some these and thines and thous, but just be patient with me, roll with me. It says this, it says, and I love this. I'll break it down for you. It says, it's talking about when we pray, when we pray, when we approach God, when we live with God, when we worship God, it says, thou art coming to a king. Meaning when you pray, when you worship, when you're, when you're in the presence of God, you're coming to a king. It says large petitions with the bring. It means bring your stuff, bring confession, bring prayer, bring big dreams, big, bring big questions. He can handle it for his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much. Nothing is impossible in the presence of the king. One more time. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. For his power and his grace are such that none can ever ask too much. Do you actually live as if you're in the presence of the king? One time a city councilman called me and was like, hey, let's get coffee. And I was stressed out. 
And this is a city councilman. I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I get a speeding ticket I didn't pay? I was like, what does the city council want? He just wanted to talk and connect. And that's cool. We want to fight for the city together. That's awesome. But I want you to know it kind of stressed me out a little bit. I would say if you were to sit with a city councilman or the mayor or some CEO or some governor or a president or maybe even the king, it would, it would, you would feel the weight of it. I want you to feel the weight of it when you're in prayer, when we're preparing our hearts for Easter, when we're in worship, when we're in group. I want you to understand if you were coming to the mayor or coming to a president, you would bring something. If the mayor said, hey, what can I do for you? You need anything? You would bring some big questions. You'd bring some requests. Why don't we do that with our king, with our God? Because his power and grace are such that none can ever ask too much. We need to be a people that pray big prayers. I dream big dreams that are honor, that know his power and his grace so much that we're not afraid to, to reach a little bit, to ask some things because we are in the presence of a king. Watch what happens in verse 39. It says, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, they said, teacher, kind term, rabbi, teacher. They said, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, I love this. He said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now he's quoting Habakkuk 2.11. That's what scholars think he's referencing. And what I think is beautiful about this is Jesus is just pouring scripture. He's dripping scripture. He's just gushing it. He's saying, I came to fulfill this. He's tying every single action, every single thing that's happening back to God's promises in the Old Testament. He's showing he came to fulfill them. It's really a beautiful thing how God has worked over the ages. But what I want you to see here is that the king cannot be stopped. The king cannot be stopped. There is a king. The king is coming. But that's my favorite one. The king cannot be stopped. He said, yeah, I could silence them, but the stones themselves would cry out. We cannot stop what God is in the motion, in the action, in the current of doing. We cannot stop it. Now, sometimes I get a little bummed because things don't work according to my timeline or how I want them or when I want them. We have some, some, some conflicting schedules with the, with the Wyndham Hotel right now. We got some things we're waiting on from the city. We're talking to some contractors, some this and that. And there's all these schedules. There's all these deadlines. And sometimes I feel the pressure. And I'm like, man, are we going to open in time? Are we going to get open? Is God going to keep working? Is he going to keep acting? It's so important for me to understand that there is a king. I'm not the king. That the king is coming. And let me speak this to someone that the king cannot be stopped. If you are worried about your marriage right now, I want you to know that the king is active, he is moving, and the king cannot be stopped. If you are fearful for your finances and your future and your career, and you're tossing and turning at night, and you're just so worried about it, I want you to know the king is active, he's moving, he's coming, and the king cannot be stopped. If you have doubts and fears and these just thought patterns that will knock it out of your head, whatever's going through you, I want you to know the king cannot be stopped. When you look at this city, I want you to know God's not done with it. He's active. He's moving. And our God, our King, cannot be stopped. He cannot be stopped. You can try. They tried to stop him. You can't stop him. But it's always part of the plan. He was always sovereign. This is how it has to be. And it may not be exactly how you expect. It may not be when you expect. But you need to know that the King is not you. The King is coming. And the King cannot be stopped. 
Verse 41, we'll land the plane here. And when he drew near and saw the city, remember, this is a, this is a victorious moment. We saw in Zechariah, the king's supposed to bring victory. They should be amped. They should be cheering. They're praising God. When he drew near and saw the city, what did he do? It says he wept over it. He finally, remember, this is a hill country. He finally can see it in view. The city's set on a hill. He doesn't say, finally, we made it. He doesn't say, I'm going to show them. No, no, no. He weeps over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. A lot of us think when we go to church or we reconnect with God that he wants to take us behind the tool shed. He wants to yell at us. People always say, I don't know where this comes from. They always say, like a friend will invite them to come to our church. And they'll be like, if I came in there, we, we, it would get struck with lightning. The whole place would burn down. What, where does that come from? What does that actually mean? We, we think that for some reason. I'm not sure why we think that, but we, we think that for some reason. He's weeping. He's brokenhearted that the city is in shambles. He's brokenhearted that people are contemplating suicide. He's brokenhearted that people don't know him. He's brokenhearted that marriages are struggling. He's brokenhearted that you're not sure where your next meal is going to come from. And he's coming to do something about it. Friends, Jesus did not come to bring judgment. He came to bear judgment. That's what he's doing. That's what he's weeping. He's weeping for the people. And he knows what he must do to bring us home. If you're listening to this and you're saying, I wish I could come to church, but I got this stuff in my life. I want you to say, come now, come now exactly as you are. We're a church, not, we don't have like a bring a friend day. Every Sunday is a bring a friend day. Every week is a share the sermon with a friend week. Every week is join me online. Come sit with me. That's why we're building this is so you can bring your friends and your family to experience the love and grace of God together. That's why we're here. So that there's far from God can experience new life in Christ. A friend of mine was inviting his friend and he, his friend was like, not really a churchy guy. And his friend was like, I don't even, like, I want to go, but I don't even know what to wear. Like, what, what should I wear? My friend said, what would you wear to Home Depot? What would you wear to Lowe's? I like that. We're a Home Depot kind of church. We're a Lowe's kind of church. God wants you here right as you are. The final point I want to put on you is this. The king, the coming king, changes everything. There is a king. The king is coming and you need to know the coming king changes everything. He could do that for you right now. If you turn to him, if you trust in him, if you surrender your life to him, if you let him be your Lord, your savior, your king, he can absolutely turn your life around. He can change everything. I wish I could break down this entire chapter of Zechariah. We just don't have the time today. It's a different sermon. But if we were continue, if we were going to continue to read all the things that Jesus is kind of alluding to and referencing here, my favorite verse is Zechariah 9, 16. We started at Zechariah 9, 9. I want to end at Zechariah 9, 16. This is what this king is going to do. Remember, he's coming lowly, humble on a donkey. It says, the Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. That's the gospel. Not that we have to save ourselves. Jesus didn't come and say, hey, you better clean up. 
Hey, you better do more good things and bad things. Hey, you better fix everything. He said, no, 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 I'm coming lowly, humble, righteous, and I'm coming to die in your place just as a shepherd saves his flock. He is our shepherd coming to save us. That's his flock. He's the king coming to rule in the rightful place in our minds, in our lives, in our hearts, friends. The king is coming. And the coming king changes everything. Are you ready? Are you ready? Pray with me. Father God, we ask you here and now, what do you want to do in this city? What are those things in which you look at this city and you weep over? God, break our heart as your heart is broken. Father God, reveal to us right now what you want to do through us, what you want to do through this church, what you want to do in our hearts, what you want to do in this city. How can you work through us, God? We are willing. We're open. God, we're able to serve you. God, allow us those opportunities. Father God, prepare our hearts for Easter as we draw near to that big day. May we be so thankful and appreciative and so in awe of your presence. May it change every single thing about us. Father God, help us know that the King is coming and that you, the coming King, you change everything. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more, make sure to subscribe and check out the channel for past content. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate it and please also consider sharing it with a friend. You can text it to a friend or post it on social and tag at Ascent Church VA. For more content from Ascent and to connect with Ascent Church, please visit ascentchurch.net. Your best days are ahead of you. The future is bright. See you next time.